Welcome to another brand new edition of the Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Hopefully you watched at least one of the four exciting games that happened in the NFL over the weekend. I mean, me talking about certain games involving a team that is geographically the closest to me, i.e. the Buffalo Bills. I mean, that could be a discussion for for another time. I know how some of y'all feel about the overtime rules and all that, but I mean, that's beside the point. And But to go shift gears back to the igloo in this episode today. So as mentioned on the last one, just because of the overall heavy concentration on how many women's games there are every weekend, because usually teams play two games a weekend playing on Friday and Sunday because there are 10 games every weekend. It only makes sense for me to do a women's episode Monday followed by a men's episode on Tuesday. And then one episode to get you ready for the entire weekend around all of the big East on both sides of the ball. So this episode covering the women's side of the conference Starting with the number nine team in the country, the UConn Huskies, hosting Seton Hall. Again, when they played in Walsh, Paige Beckers was healthy. And Andre Espinosa Hunter was out due to a one-game suspension for violating team rules. Well, despite the roles essentially reversing with Beckers being out due to injury and Espinosa Hunter active in this game, and with the Pirates coming off that win over St. John's at home, it was all UConn. They actually won this game by more at Gamble Pavilion. They went 71-38. to Just absolute annihilation. And again, this is something because Laura Park landed her last game, dropped 30 for the Pirates and... At Gamble Friday night, as a team, 38 points. Tremendous effort from the five starters for the Huskies. Olivia Nelson to Dota. Tremendous all-around game. 17 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. 6 for 13 from the floor. And the thing is, it's not like UConn... Not It's not like UConn shot the three ball wall. Yes, they made six of them on 30 attempts. That's only, but on 30 attempts, that's 20%. Inside the arc, they were a heck of a lot better shooting 22 for 38. Also helps they out-rebounded Seton Hall 53 to 25. More than doubling them on the glass. Other starters for UConn that performed well, Avina Westbrook, 13 points, and she played all 40 minutes. Dorky Juhas, 12 points, 9 rebounds, just one rebound away from a double-double. 11 from Nika Mule, I mean, who played the overall best game? You know, probably Nelson Adota at the top of the list, but Nika Mule right behind. Knocked down three three-pointers on 7 of 10, and was 4 of 8 from the field, 11 points, 7 boards, and 3 assists in 30 minutes. 
And then off the bench, and, and then on, the only starter that didn't score double figures was arguably the player who had played the best over the past couple weeks. And that's Caroline Ducharme. Only scored seven points, six rebounds, two of nine from the field, just one for seven from behind the arc. And then off the bench, they got six from Aaliyah Edwards to go with eight rebounds and five points from Pyeth Gabriel. As for Seton Hall, they only had one player in double figures, Sidney Cooks. Ten points, five to twelve from the field. Espinosa Hunter, just six points on the night and only one rebound. Lauren Park Lane was just one for 11 from the field, five points, six rebounds, four assists. I mean, credit UConn for defending her well, but, I mean, LPL was definitely not herself Friday night. Maya Jackson only had four points. Maya Bembry just two, but off the bench, they got six in 22 minutes from Curticia Dean. They got a three late in the game from Skylar Treadwell, who, you know, up until about a week and a half ago, had barely seen the court. But, you know, she knocked down a three in this game. Which, if I'm not mistaken, were her first career points. And they were, as I've confirmed. And then Katie Armstrong, just two points. So UConn. Coming off that tough loss at Oregon Monday of last week, that is. Bounced back with a dominant effort over the Pirates. Villanova handled business against Providence. And again, you see how good Villanova is when Maddie Segrist is out there. Halftime, they were up 18. It was 40-22. to 22. And they were up 21 after three. They went 71-56. And Segrist dominant again with 25 points and 10 rebounds. 10 for 19 from the floor. 3 for 7 from behind the arc. No one else was in double figures for the Cats. But 9 each from the Argarzone and Brianna Hurley. And again, Hurley he had missed. You know, she had been out of action since January 2nd. So, didn't really shoot the ball well. 2 for 11 from the field. But again, that rebounding was something that this team definitely missed. And Garzon, 3 for 11 from the floor, 1 of 6 from 3. So, a rough shooting night uh, for those two. But again, you know, they chipped in the points that they needed to win. And they didn't really need them because, you know, again, they really dominated most of this game. Anyways, back to the starters. Lucy Olsen, seven points, made her only three-point attempt on the night. It was three for four for the field, only playing 16 minutes. Brooke Mullen knocked down a three for her only points in the night in 21 minutes. But talk about off the bench. Caitlin Orahel, 19 minutes played, eight points, three for five from the field, and two of three from deep. They also got four from Zanai Jones. Again, she hadn't seen the court since January 2nd. And neither has Christina Dulce. She had four points in 11 minutes. 
And then they got two from Bella Runyon, who played 25 minutes in this game. As for Providence, they were they only had one player in double figures as well, but she only had 11 points. That was Kylie Shepard. As for the other starters, Mary Baskerville and Alyssa Geary each chipped in eight points. Baskerville only played 13 minutes. It was three for six from the field. Geary was three for 15 from the floor, though, in 23 minutes. And then Emily Archibald, pretty efficient night, despite foul trouble. Two for two from the field, one of one behind the arc, and two for two from the free throw line to finish with seven points in 22 minutes. Janai Crooms also had seven points in tw- but playing 28 minutes and was three for seven from the field. Off the bench, Olivia Olson was six with uh, seven points and seven rebounds in 16 minutes. Nariah Scott with five points in 20 minutes, and then Lauren Sampson knocked down a three uh, and played 19 minutes. So Villanova, they stay hot with that win. Heading a little further down south, Georgetown hosting Creighton. No, Creighton, again, they got off to a, a good enough start where they could they got enough of a cushion against that this Georgetown team that they didn't really have much to worry about in the second half. I mean, yes, they got outscored 42-39 in the second half, but they went 80 to 70, led by 22 points from Lauren Jensen, 8 of 16 from the field, and 6 of 13 from deep. Emma Ronzik continued putting up good numbers. I mean, it's not like, you know, putting up 27 and 30 in a weekend. 19 points is still pretty good. 7 of 13 from the field, 2 of 6 from deep. Carly Batcher was perfect from the field at 5 for 5 to finish with 12 points. Tatum Rembaugh, 7 points, 4 boards, 5 assists. Peyton Brodsky with 5 points and 5 assists in just 19 minutes. 2 for 5 from the field, 1 of 3 from deep. And then off the bench, Morgan Molly, 9 points, 4 for 10 for the field, 1 for 5 from 3. So not a great shooting night, but contributed 9 important points. And then Molly Mogensen knocked down a 3. And also added a free throw to finish with 4 points in 7 minutes. Rachel Saunders, 2 points on the night. As for Georgetown... Without Jillian Archer, they were led by Kelsey Ransom, who, despite fouling out, put together a solid night. 38 minutes played, 18 points, 9 boards, 8 assists. So she was 1 rebound and 2 assists away from a triple-double. I think that's worth noting. So, gotta give credit where credit's due. Ransom came to play in this game for Georgetown in the losing effort. Grace Ann Bennett, 14 points, 7 of 8 from the field. Very efficient night for her. Milan Bolden-Morris played all 40 minutes and shot the ball really well. 3 for 4, all from behind the arc and from the free throw line was, strangely enough, 3 for 4. Getting getting a star, Kaitlin West, the senior, Eight points, three for ten from the field, one of three from behind the arcs, from the behind the arc, and then freshman Kalia Merricks, uh, Kalia Myricks, excuse me, started in Archer's place, and she didn't score in sixteen minutes, getting most of the minutes at forward was Shania Wright, who played nineteen minutes, finished with ten points, six boards. 
and was 4 of 8 from the field. They also got 6 points from Mary Cloggerty, who we haven't seen since December 3rd. Definitely missed her 3-point shooting. And then 2 points from Brianna Scott. So Georgetown, they they played a good game. I mean, 49% from the floor, 46% from three. But Creighton, thanks to, again, 11 three-pointers and shooting over 50% from the field, the Blue Jays stay hot with yet another win to get themselves up at that point to 9-1 and one in conference. And then the next two results, not surprising. Marquette went into Cincinnati and clobbered Xavier 65-46. I mean, Marquette used a 20-6 first quarter start to essentially run away with this thing. Jordan King and Lauren Van Clunen, each with 17 points. Van Clunen was 8 of 11 from the floor. King was 6 of 8 and made her only 3-point attempt on the night. Carissa McLaughlin with 15 points and was 3 for 5 from 3 and 3 for 8 overall. Lisa Carlin, 9, 9, and 8. So 9 points, 9 boards, 8 assists. And then they got five points from Chloe Murata only on two of six shooting. And only two bench points, and those came from Kennedy Miles. As for Xavier, Case Satterfield led the way with 14 for the Musketeers. 7 of 12 from the field. Eight boards, two assists. Ayanna Townsend, although she did foul out, 10 points and a couple rebounds in 18 minutes. It was five for seven from the field. Eight points each from Anaya Harrison and Michaela Scarlett. Shayla Beerler went scoreless in this game. And then Nia Clark was the only musketeer to score off the bench, scoring six points in 26 minutes. Neither team shot a lot of threes. Marquette took 10 of them and made five. Xavier just nine attempts with only two makes. Also didn't help. Xavier was... Really poor from from the free throw line. 6 for 11. Compared to Marquette, it was 12 for 17. So Marquette, they stay rolling. Xavier stays struggling. And the same goes for Butler continuing to struggle against DePaul. And for the second consecutive meeting, DePaul hits the century mark against the Bulldogs, winning 103 to 69. And they had 85 points after three quarters. Because at that point, it was a 35-point game. It was 85-50. to And again, this might be the year we see a freshman win Big East Player of the Year. Anissa Morrow, another monster game. 33 points, 15 rebounds, 15 of 20 from the field. Sonia Morris, 18 points on the night. 6 of 17 from the field. 1 of 4 from 3. 15 from Deja Church, who shot the ball really well. 5 for 7 from the field and 3 for 4 from behind the arc. Darion Rogers, 12 points, 9 boards in 35 minutes. Lexi Held, 28 minutes. Didn't shoot the ball well, but dished out 9 assists and finished with 6 points. Kiara Collier, really good off the bench. Four for six, all from behind the arc in 27 minutes to finish with a dozen points. And then they got 
a three from Kendall Holmes, and a bucket each from Hannah Purcell and Kiki Rimmer. As for the Bulldogs, off the a lot of their production came from the bench. And leading the way was Amelia Sexton, who was a bright, a really glaring bright spot for this team in this game. 26 minutes played, 19 points, 7 of 9 from the field, and 5 for 6 from deep. However, her teammates from 3 were 1 for 24. Talking about other players from the bench that chipped in. Alex Richard, the freshman, 14 points in 17 minutes and was 7 of 13 from the field. Kendall Wingler finished with 6 points on the night on just 2 of 8 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. As for the starters, Tenley Dowell led the way, for the starters at least, with 13 points. 5 of 11 for the field, 3 for 7 from behind the arc. 8 points in just 14 minutes from Selena Taborn. 5 from Trinity White, although a rough night, 1 of 11 from the field. Sydney Janes had 4 points. And Zoe Jackson was held scoreless as she shot 0 for 7 from the field, 0 for 5 from behind the arc. Again, DePaul on a roll. That got him to 7-1. and one. And then on Sunday, UConn remained undefeated in conference play with a 75-57 win at Carnesecca Arena against St. John's. And Caroline Ducharme returned to form in this game. 28 points. On 13 of 22 shooting. And played all 40 minutes. And Gino Oriyama only went with 6 players in his rotation for this game. And it worked out really really well. Dorka Juhas came alive late in the game. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 7 of 13 from the field. And 2 of 5 from 3. They got 11 from Avina Westbrook. 9 from Nika Mule. But... In an unconventional double-double, Olivia Nelson-Nadota only finished with 3 points, but grabbed 18 rebounds and dished out 10 assists. And then off the bench, Aaliyah Edwards, only player to come off the bench for the Huskies, played 20 minutes and scored 8 points. UConn out-rebounded St. John's 45-22 again, more than doubling them up in that category. Leading the way for the Johnnies, Kadeja Bailey with 21 points, 10 of 17 from the field. Leilani Correa, 19 points, 7 of 14 from the field, 2 for 4 from deep. So those two scored 40 points for St. John's. The rest of the team had just 17. Only 6 from Unique Drake. Only a 3 from Danielle Patterson. Just 2 points, all from the free throw line from Raven Peoples. And then one three-pointer each off the bench from Danielle Danielle Cosgrove and Camry Clegg. And and it sounds like an upset, but given where these teams were in the preseason poll in Big East, it's not really an upset. But Villanova hands Creighton their second loss in conference play, using a big fourth quarter to pull away to beat Creighton at Finner Pavilion, 74-64, and... Really, it was a big second half. They outscored the Blue Jays in the second half, 43-30. to 30. 
So they were down 34-31 at the break, but thanks to a 31-point masterclass from Matty Segrist, the Wildcats win again. And Segrist, again, eight for, uh, again, I said it's a masterclass. 31 points, 12 rebounds, 8 of 15 from the field, 12 of 14 from the free throw line. It was 3 for 4 from deep. And they needed bigger contributions from the other two components of Villanova's three-headed monster in the front court. And they got it from Brianna Hurley and Lior Garzon. Hurley, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 6 six for 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from deep. Garzon with 15, and it was 3 for 6 from deep, 4 of 9 from the field. Lucy Olsen with 2 points. Brooke Mullen went scoreless, and then Bella Runyon was huge. 26 minutes, 6 points, 2 of 3 from the field, and 1 for 2 from behind the arc. And then they got 3 also from uh, Caitlin Orahel. And big reason why Villanova won, 3-point shooting. Creighton was off their game from 3. 8 for 27 from deep, which is just under 30%. Villanova was 9 for 21, which is nearly 43%. And it also helped that Creighton got themselves into foul trouble, committing twice as many fouls as Villanova. Creighton committed 22 fouls, Villanova just 11. And Creighton also saw Rachel Saunders foul out. But leading the way for Creighton, Emma Rodzik, 16 points, but was 7 of 17 from the field, 2 of 6 from deep. Tatum Renbaugh had to do a little more scoring in this game, but scored 11 points, 6 boards, 7 assists. 4 for 10 from the field. And then they got only set, uh, 10 points from Lord Jensen, who was 4 of 14 from the field, 2 of 7 from deep. Uncharacteristic bad shooting night for the transfer from Iowa. Morgan Molly, 12 points, 4 for 11 from the field, 1 of 7 from deep. Bad shooting night uncharacteristically from her. Molly Mogensen with eight points, who was and she was three for four from the field, two for three from deep. Rachel Saunders, I mentioned she fouled out. And in 18 minutes, two for two from the field, made her only three-point attempt as well. And then Peyton Broski only had two points, and Carly Batchelor was scoreless. So, again, big win for Villanova and uh, head coach Denise Dillon, as now they've really climbed up the standings. I mean, they're 5-3 and three right now, but given their remaining schedule, I mean, they can soar up that, up the standings and maybe even finish top top three. I think more likely it'll be four. But they could definitely find their way into the top three. Now, an overtime thriller in D.C., Providence avenged their loss to Georgetown from early December as the Friars, again, they lost by eight at Alumni Hall in December. They returned the favor with an eight-point win in D.C., albeit in overtime. Providence started off this game really well. They were up 30-22 to at halftime. But Georgetown, they outscore 
Providence 29-21 in the second half to force OT. But Providence, in overtime, they went on a big run in OT to win. As a matter of fact, that run they ended the game on was a 13-2 run. And they happened to score the last nine points of the game after Kelsey Ransom had put the Hoyas up 58-57 with 2.15 to go. But again, Providence pulls away thanks to clutch free throw shooting from Kylie Shepard and from Alyssa Geary, uh, who made you know a lot of big plays, you know, whether it be rebounding, free throws, etc. So Providence wins 66-58. Kylie Shepard leads the way with 21 points on 6 of 10, six of 15 from the field. They got 12 from Janai Crooms, 15 from Alyssa Geary, only 6 from Mary Baskerville. A scoreless day in uh for Audrey Koch, who got the start in this game. Emily Archibald ended up coming off the bench and failed to score. Lawrence Sampson chipped in six points, all from behind the arc on two of five shooting, and then Olivia Olsen, in nine minutes, was six of six from the field, perfect from the field at two for two, and same from the free throw line, also two for two. Like, it's kind of wild that Providence wins this game. But, I mean, if you could chalk it up to anything costing Georgetown, I mean, they turned the ball over 26 times. Georgetown shot the ball better from three. I mean, they were 7 for 17 from three. But Providence shot the ball better from the field. But again, 26 turnovers, that just can't happen. So that becomes more of the story and the fact that they lost this game despite a 21.9 rebound performance from Kelsey Ransom, 8 of 17 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. Milan Bolden-Morris had 16 points, 5 for 14 from the field, 4 for 9 from 3. Shania Wright got the start for Georgetown and... Played 33 minutes, only with 6 points and 7 rebounds on 1 of 8 shooting. Grace Ann Bennett played 40 minutes, scoring just 2 points and had 5 rebounds and 4 assists on 1 of 6 shooting. And then uh, Caitlin West, a pretty solid game for her. 7 points, although she did foul out. 3 for 6 from the field, 1 of 2 from behind the arc. And then they only got 6 combined bench points, 3 each from Anita Kaleva and... Mary Cloggerty, who uh, Cloggerty knocked down a three. So Providence, they're quietly four and five in the league right now. And they're sixth in the standings. In a game on CBS Sports Network, DePaul again. Offensively sound and dominant in this game. The Blue Demons. Route Xavier 94 to 74. 
They were up big at the break. It was 53-37. to And again, Blue Demons win by 20. And again, Anissa Morrow Masterclass. 32 points, 15 rebounds, 13 of 18 from the field. I'm pretty sure... She when I, last time I watched a broadcast of DePaul basketball, I, I couldn't see the game Sunday because uh, of um, me working my own game uh, for Utica City FC, a uh, professional indoor soccer club in my hometown. But I'm pretty sure Anissa Mora was either leading the country in rebounds or field goal percentage, one or the other. I wouldn't be surprised if she was leading the country in both. Well, right now, so as of right now, she's second in the country in rebounding in terms of rebounds per game at 12 and a half. And so I was wrong. Her field goal percentage, I mean, still, if you're top 30 in the country, that's pretty impressive. 55% for the field, she's 27th. But how about Sonia Morris? I mean, she took a lot of shots, 27 of them to be exact. She made 13, which is a solid percentage. One for eight for three ain't great, but still. 27 points on the day. Solid performance from the senior from St. Louis. They got 10 from Darion Rogers. Eight from Lexi Held to go with eight assists. Five from Deja Church. And off the bench, how about a dozen from Kiera Collier? As for Xavier, they had three players, four players actually, double figures, including three starters. Anaya Harris with 17 points, 8 of, ele- eight of 11 from the field. Ayanna Townsend with 15 points on 7 of 12 shooting and 7 rebounds. Michaela Scarlett with 12 points. And off the bench, Shelby Calhoun had 11 in 25 minutes. Shayla Beeler and Kay Satterfield each with 6 points apiece. And then back to the bench, Carly Pranger. Uh, Courtney Pranger, excuse me, had four points and eight rebounds in 11 minutes, and then they got a three-pointer from Kasia Woods. So DePaul, they stay on fire again. Going to be hard to find a team that can stop them offensively. Because if I'm not mistaken... Only only one team, only one team in the entire country, no, only one team on their schedule has held them below 70, and that was Arizona. So to round out the weekend recap, going a little bit further west into Indianapolis at Hinkle Fieldhouse, Marquette. Dominant against Butler. They went 78-48. And they were up big after what I mean, they doubled them up in the first quarter. It was 26-13. And they used an 18-8 third quarter to really, you know, pull away and win this one rather easily. 78-48 the final. Carissa McLaughlin, 20 points on the day. 5 for 7 from 3 and 7 for 11 from the field. So how about Marquette in the two games they played this weekend? 23 point attempts and made 11 of them. It's a pretty solid weekend shooting the rock. They got 19 from Lisa Carlin on 9 of 14 shooting. 10 from Lauren Van Cloonen. Only 4 from Chloe Murata. 9 points from Jordan King, although she did dish out 6 assists. And then all 6 of Marquette's bench players scored. 4 points from Danielle Middleton. 
three each from Kennedy Miles and Antoinette Walker. And then two points each for Makaya Williams, Juliana Okusin, and Rachel and uh, Rose and Kumu. Marquette, 53% from the field against 60% from three. Leading the way for Butler, Selena Tabor with 14 points on six of eight shooting. 10 from Tenley Dowell, who... And I can't believe I missed this against DePaul on uh, Friday. She had 13. I feel like I forgot to mention that, but I mean... So Dowell, again, 10 points against Marquette. And she was just two for four from the field, one for three from behind the arc. It was five for five from the free throw line. And that was exactly half of Butler's points. They got six from Trinity White, six off the bench from Kendall Wingler, all from behind the arc. Seven from Alex Richard off the bench. Just two from Sidney Janes, and then a three from Amelia Sexton. So Butler, they remain winless in conference at 0-7. Marquette with that win, they're now 6-3. So, that was your weekend recap. And when I come back, there's some changes to the schedule. Because on the last episode, I did say UConn was scheduled to play at South Carolina on Thursday. But there was a recent change. And now they have a new game this week. Uh, before their weekend slate. I'll tell you who they're facing, as well as the rest of the slate, which includes two other Big East Conference games, coming up after this. Welcome back inside the Igloo. Let's get right into it. The midweek picks that I have for the upcoming slate in Big East women's basketball. Starting with St. John's at Georgetown, a game that was supposed to take place on New Year's Eve but did it because of COVID cases within Georgetown's program. These teams are both in a similar spot. Neither team has won a conference game since December 5th. Although Georgetown has won a game more recently than St. John's having won on December 13th, which was right be- the last game they played before that COVID pause. St. John's 1-6 in the league. Georgetown's 1-5. I just think that the way Georgetown played against Creighton, who arguably to me is the third best team in the league. I just think Georgetown's in a better position. And and listen, let's be real. They should have had it against Providence. I know they were down at halftime. They made a big comeback to force overtime. And they had the lead in overtime, but... You know, obviously they gave up the last nine points of the game and 13 of the last 15 points to end up losing. But I just think Georgetown overall is in the better position right now to win this kind of game. So I'm going to take the Hoyas winning at home in a close one. Now, Seton Hall at Marquette. Seton Hall really dismantled Marquette at Walsh Gym a little over a month ago. And Seton Hall, they're going to come into this game angry because, quite frankly, they got embarrassed at UConn. I mean, they didn't even hit 40 points for the whole game. 
with that offensive firepower, that's that's awful. I I wanted to be a little polite, say not very good, but listen, when you have two offensively explosive players like Lauren Park Lane and Andre Espinosa Hunter, there shouldn't be any excuse as to why you can't put up more than 40 points as a team in a game. Especially when the game before that against St. John's, those two combined for 56 points. So they're going to come in angry. They're going to play angry when they go to Milwaukee. And you know what? That might give them a chip on their shoulder. But I think in the end, I mean, listen, it's going to be at the Al McGuire Center. Marquette just does not lose at the, well, I mean, yes, I know they just lost at the Al to Villanova last week, but Villanova has been a much better team this year than Seton Hall when they've been at full strength with Matty Segrist. So Marquette will win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And I know that when I said Seton Hall will lose but keep it close the last time I said that, it bit me in the ass. But they were playing UConn. UConn is UConn. Marquette is a good team, but I just, obviously, they're not in the same pantheon as UConn. That's just, that's just a fact. So Marquette will win. Seton Hall will Keep it close, but Marquette should win by at least a couple possessions. And then in a game that was most recently added to the schedule, number 10 UConn now at DePaul. So originally, as I mentioned on my last episode, UConn was originally slated to play Thursday night at number one South Carolina. But South Carolina will now play Ole Miss to make up an SEC game that was previously missed. So with that opening, who does UConn reschedule against? DePaul. And listen, if there is any team in the Big East that is in the best position to beat UConn, it's DePaul. I mean, Creighton kind of pushed them to the limit at Gamble, you know, a little over a week ago. But Creighton doesn't have the kind of offensive firepower that DePaul has. They don't have a superstar freshman like Anissa Morrow, who is second in the country in rebounding and top 30 in field goal percentage and is going to be a runaway for Biggie's freshman of the year and might even win Biggie's player of the year now. I'm really curious to see how Anissa Morrow is going to handle playing against UConn's bigs. Olivia Nelson-Nadota, Dorka Juhas, and Aaliyah Edwards. That'll be a real test. And I'm really intrigued to see how she'll answer that call. I mean, looking at the last time she played a big-time opponent in Notre Dame, she scored 19 points. 
which isn't bad. As I block myself from sneezing Matumbo style right before that. I mean, let's be real. She's not going to be able to have, you know, like, you know, back-to-back 30-point games like she did against Xavier and Butler. This is UConn we're talking about. But given how I've seen UConn, without Paige Beckers, and given that they just lost it to an unranked Oregon team a week ago today, I really believe that DePaul can pull this off. And this might be my boldest prediction of the entire year. On Wednesday, January 26, 2022, the UConn women's basketball team will lose their first Big East regular season game in 3,250 days. And I'm going to take DePaul taking down UConn at Wintrust Arena. And I think that's a perfect way to close it out. Close it out with a bang and with a bold prediction like that. That does it for this episode of the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in. Again, continue supporting um, women's basketball in the Big East and really all women's sports. You know, like, you know, they deserve it. There are plenty of, you know, female athletes who, you know, have been successful and will continue to be successful and will be household names. I mean, Paige Beckers, in a way, is a household name. I mean, look at some of the household names, you know, like Sabrina Ionescu became a big name. Yes, I know she had her association with Kobe Bryant um, before his unfortunate death, which we're approaching the one-year anniversary this week. A two-year anniversary, I should say. But, again... Support women's sports. I feel like that's not really that much of a big ask, but just continue to do it. That's all. That that I, I I'm not imploring you, I'm not forcing you to, but it'd be cool if you did. That's all. But I got my next men's episode coming out tomorrow to recap action from Saturday, Sunday, and of course tonight where. Seton Hall will host St. John's to wrap up their home-and-home at Walsh Gym for their first Big East Conference game there since 1985. So I'll recap that, as well as the rest of what happened over the weekend in the Big East in men's basketball. And of course, there's going to be a lot to talk about, especially now with now five AP Top 25 teams out of the Big East, nearly half the league in the rankings. So I'll talk about that so much more tomorrow on the next episode of The Igloo. Until then, this is Timmy Ice signing off. Thank you again for tuning in, and I will catch you all tomorrow for the men's edition um, of The Igloo to recap what happened over the weekend, of course. Uh, Look forward to a pretty good week ahead uh, with some really good games coming up Tuesday and Wednesday. Take it easy, y'all.